The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in, folks, here on Big Blue Views audio lineup and YouTube page as we are coming at you after the New York Giants Week 5 loss to the Dallas Cowboys, a 44-20 game that we witnessed not just like one or two injuries. We witnessed a, a large amount of serious injuries for this Giants team. And we said on the live stream that we felt it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to go back and, and watch the tape because uh, there's so much that just fell outside of the Giants' control. It, it would be a waste of everybody's time to sit and, and try and pull takeaways from that when there were a lot of circumstances that the Giants just could not power through. But today, we're going to be talking about the uh, the outlook for the NFL draft. We're also going to be talking about some prospects that might make sense within the, the range of the two picks that the Giants will be selecting at. And we're also going to provide some updates on the injuries. So guys, the, the first thing getting into those injuries, we, we did hear from Ian Rappaport that they are optimistic on Saquon's injury because we know he is a bit of a fast healer. Uh, they're saying a low ankle sprain, two to four weeks, which to me seems a bit optimistic. And I feel like the last time Saquon had an ankle injury, it was around two to four weeks is what they said. But by the time he came back, he was hobbling a little bit. And then it took him a couple more weeks until he was 100% back. But I'm not 100% how optimistic I am of how realistic that is. Because, man, that thing looks swelled up as hell. And it takes a while just to be able to move without uh, dealing with with some serious discomfort and pain as a running back of the size that Saquon is. Yeah, and I would be... A little bit worried about if he try if he's working to get back and miss only one game. Uh, worried about ha- just stiffness, any residual pain, anything like that, causing compensation complications with his injured knee on the other side. You know, you don't want him favoring his left ankle only to re-injure or have a setback in it somewhere in his right leg. Uh, I, I feel like this is a just take things take things a little bit slow give the injury the time it needs to heal correctly because like you said that thing was swelled up kind of grotesquely it really looked like he had a melon or a grapefruit like that where his ankle should be it's got to take a while for that kind of swelling to go down 
one would imagine, one would definitely imagine. And we remember 2019 when he had a high ankle sprain. It was expected for him to miss about six weeks. He missed, what, two, came back. Yeah. Wasn't necessarily the same type of running back. But then at the end of the year, he exploded and it was the Saquon Barkley we came to love in 2018, the year prior. But you have to let that heal, man. I, I don't want to rush him back either. This is why the Giants signed Devontae Booker was to come in just in case Saquon Barkley were to be injured. Dave Gettleman was quoted saying that he viewed Devontae Booker as a three-down back. The, the drop-off from Saquon Barkley to Devontae Booker is significant. There's no denying that. But you don't want to rush your star running back back and then force him to uh, – further that injury. And I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's going to be a pain tolerance thing or if it's going to risk uh, more ligament damage in that ankle. I guess we'll have to wait and see, let the doctors handle that. But it's um, it's a crappy situation, man. Literally mm. an overthrown slant route and you step on a defender's foot and roll your ankle. Like, come on, really? Like that's, <laughs> that's how you end up getting injured. And I'm not, you know, chastising Saquon Barkley at all. It just seems to be the Giants 2021 luck at this point. It's just yeah. when it rains. Right. That's it, the it epitome. Of, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, it just feels kind of like the uh, 2013, 2014, 2015 injury dynasty type luck all over again. Or 2017 with the receiving core that got yeah. wiped out in one game. <laughs> And, and it's also the epitome of that entire game, and the it, it's almost a a like a a disturbingly perfect explanation or or, or just um, comparison to what happened in that game, where things just were not going in the Giants' favor yeah. to the point where there were just multiple significant injuries piling up. Like the circumstance of stepping on somebody's ankle when you're out in space, not as an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. That stuff happens all the time because. It's close quarters. You're falling on each other. Guys are getting hit. They're getting pushed around. People fall on each other's ankles all the time. But to be in space like that and to just not notice somebody's foot, it sucks. That's really, really unlucky that that happened. And yesterday happened to be like one of the most unlucky days on an already unlucky season. And speaking of that, that really just terrible luck of injuries last game, we saw the hit that Daniel Jones took. We, we saw him get completely smacked trying to, to score a touchdown. And he almost completely fell on his face when he got back up. He was so disoriented. It was pretty clear that he was not coming back in that football game. We don't, as of right now, 1 o'clock Eastern time, when we're recording this on Monday, we have no idea 100% what the deal is with Daniel Jones. We know it's a concussion from what I looked up and saw. But I would anticipate they're going to take their time with this one. A head injury is nothing to be played with. There's also a ton of protocol that prevents something like that being rushed back. Or if it's it's a close call, they're always going to lean on the side of sitting a guy. And not to mention the fact that Daniel Jones is supposed to be the, the franchise quarterback for at least the next year or so. So they're not going to want to risk his longevity in his future because of that hit. It's definitely unfortunate, too. We saw Daniel Jones, the the uh, height of Daniel Jones and what he can be last week when he dropped over 400 on the Saints. And he did not look good in the first quarter and a half of this game against New Orleans. He had several overthrows. I think he had two to John Ross. One was on a double move, and I'm wondering if the pressure accelerated Daniel Jones and he threw the ball and didn't expect John Ross to run that double move on the first overthrow that he had. But then he overthrew Saquon Barkley. He missed a couple more throws. He was under pressure a lot because Nate Solder was his left tackle. The Giants tried to you know, have a tight end chip. They tried to keep Devontae Booker in there to help that left side. But Nate Solder, whenever he was on an island by himself, he was just getting bullied back into Daniel Jones. And Jones did not look that great. And 
once they were able to actually have a good offensive drive, they couldn't punch it in the end zone. I don't want to say they get cute because I'm fine with that play call, to be honest. When you roll Daniel Jones out, you want to use his athletic ability. You want to give him an opportunity to to get in the end zone and fool the defense. But that was just a great play by Jabril Cox. That was a great play by the Dallas Cowboys. Jones tried to lower his shoulder like he did against Grady Jarrett, and it just didn't work out this time. It, it sucks, man, because without Daniel Jones, this Giants offense is – is even more putrid. Daniel Jones is such a step above someone like Mike Glennon. Mm. And if the Giants enter this week six game with Mike Glennon as their quarterback and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the other side of the football, it's not going to be pretty for New York. Yeah, it's, like I said to Joe last night, those guys have to be licking their chops right now. Uh, they've got Sean McVay with Matthew Stafford, and we'll get into this later in the week. Uh, they're rested coming off that Thursday night mini buy. Uh, those defensive guys are looking at this beat up Giants offense right now. It's I I don't blame the odds makers for making the Giants double digit underdogs at home. Uh, I would just circling back to Daniel Jones. I would like to see the Giants try to coach him to not lower his head when he's running. Cause he, he did that earlier back when the Giants were backed up on their own goal line and he had that keeper. Uh, He tried to truck. It was either a linebacker or a safety. It might've been Keanu Neal. And he lowered his head the exact same way. Uh, you know, seeing him get or get through around, however you want to phrase it, Grady Jarrett was great. But man, you, you're the you're the starting quarterback. Uh, watching Eli slide was never pretty. It was really more of like a twisting stumble. But you know, it, you have to protect yourself because you are more important overall than just a couple yards or even a touchdown. You know, you've got five other guys who can score touchdowns. Ultimately that, that injury to Daniel Jones does really have a, a, puts a really dismal outlook, I think over the next few games. And and we had spent some time, especially when we did that evaluation show when the giants started winless before that saints game, we had spent some time to basically say, this is not the start that the giants we're hoping for, and it's going to be very, very hard to climb out of it. There was a little hope after beating the Saints, but I think where they are right now, if if you're just being a realistic evaluator, separate from being a Giants fan, just realistically evaluating the situation of the Giants, it is somewhat of a doomsday situation here, where next week they're going to play the Rams. I don't think that there's really much of an expectation that it'll be a very competitive game. If Saquon's gone for the next two to four weeks and Daniel Jones is out for the next few weeks with a concussion. They're probably not going to win these upcoming games based on what we saw happen. Once it was the backup quarterback, Mike Glennon and then Devontae Booker and Eli Penny. There are limited options right now for this giants offense. that was already struggling. And the right now, the only receiver that's really making plays is Kadarius Tony, which is why I think it's fair for us to shift their focus again and talk some draft stuff Uh, after just a terrible game like that. The current draft order as it sits is Jacksonville at number one with an 0-5 record. Detroit 0-5 at number two. Miami's pick was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. So right now, Philly is looking to be picking third. Jets picking at fourth. Houston picking at fifth. And then Giants with a 1-4 record right before the Colts pick that is also the Eagles pick. Uh, The Giants are sitting there at one and four with the sixth overall pick. And I I just find it so strange. And also it's so crazy to me that here we are after five weeks of play and the Giants starts of the season has been absolutely disastrous. 
yet the Giants still are not picking in the top five, which is almost like a uh, an even worse addition to the situation right here where they're losing and they're not even right now picking in the top five and they might not pick in the top five because the teams above them are playing terribly so far this season. So I, I want to take some time to kind of think here the circumstance that the Giants are in. Because if you just take a look at what these teams above them are going to be looking for, I would say most of them, separate from the Jets and Jacksonville, for obvious reasons, are going to be looking to draft a quarterback. Yeah, Detroit and Houston absolutely have to be looking at quarterback. Uh, I would say Philly. Uh, I'm not sure how they're not looking at a quarterback. Like I, at least considering it. Yeah, I'm. I like. Jalen Hurts just in the abstract I think he's a good guy he's you know he was a winner for Alabama he stepped aside for Tua he was a good teammate then he transferred to Oklahoma and he was a winner at Oklahoma he was a really good college quarterback I am not sure how you can feel any more than eh, about him as an NFL quarterback he just doesn't seem to have the arm talent, the accuracy and precision throwing the football that you need to be an NFL passer. And yes, he can do some exciting things with his legs, but you ha- it, it, this is a passing league, and that's really all there is to it. Unless your name is Lamar Jackson, you cannot bring the same value running the ball as you can throwing the ball. You, you have to lead with your arm. And Philly has to at least be considering a move up, especially if Jacksonville is still sitting there number one. Because right now Philly has, and this is kind of disgusting, three picks in the top ten. They currently hold the third overall pick, the seventh overall pick right after the Giants, and then their natural pick at tenth overall. They could package those really easily to move up and probably still have two picks in the top ten. It's wild to think about, but I will say this, what quarterback? Because we haven't, there isn't a standout quarterback this year. That's a good point. If we go back to 2019, Joe Burrow kind of took college football by storm. Joe Burrow was like a late day three pick before that. And last year it was Zach Wilson who ended up doing that, right? So is there going to be a quarterback in the next six to seven weeks that's going to put himself into that echelon to where we're all going to be talking about him. It doesn't appear like that's necessarily happening. I mean, you have Malik Willis, the kid from Liberty. You have Spencer Rattler, who was just basically benched at Oklahoma. What's going on with him? I mean, that's yet to be determined. You have Carson Strong. A lot of people are talking about he's a big, strong-armed guy, you know, pun intended. But there isn't necessarily a, a huge quarterback prospect that everybody's clamoring to get you have a lot of skilled position players you have a lot of interior defensive linemen which isn't sexy but you have a few really good ones you have Kayvon Thibodeau the edge from Oregon who's absolutely amazing you have a bunch of offensive tackles that you can consider as well which spells well for the Giants but if the Giants finish with the sixth pick with the seventh pick it's not that great if they're not three or four quarterbacks in the uh, running to be drafted before them especially if Daniel Jones is not going, or especially if Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback of the future. But I think the biggest question, Chris, and I want to send this one to you, is if the Giants finish with five wins, six wins, who's the general manager? Who's making these picks? Because I don't know if Dave Gettleman is going to be retained. I don't think he'll get fired. I think he'll ceremoniously retire Mm. a la Tom Coughlin. Yeah. But that's a big question. Yeah. I I think if the season more or less continues as it has been, where – 
you know, the Giants might pick up a win or two or three or four, you know, whatever. Say they wind up with five wins. Yeah, they that's still a 12 loss season. I don't see Dave Gettleman making that pick, you know, wherever it happens to wind up being, you know, uh, Lewis Riddick, he seems to have uh, maintained his bridges with the Giants. He hasn't, he hasn't publicly burned them. He's spoken re- reasonably well about the franchise, you know, since he didn't get the job back in 2018. I know, you know Nick, you're a, you're a scouting academy guy. You, know, you have seen Lewis Riddick talk about you know, football and talk about the draft in, in an intimate setting. And I got to say, when I watched that, I fell in love with him as a, as a talent evaluator and just a football communicator. But I would hope the Giants, A, look outside the family for, you know, they, they have to add some branches to that family tree. It can't just be a log going back to, you know, basically when the NFL intervened and made them hire a general manager. And other than that, I, I'm not sure who it would be. But as for picks, I think they almost have to look offensive line because as it stands, I don't know that they're going to be high enough to look at Kayvon Thibodeau or Derek Stingley or one of those guys. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So the the thing that, Nick, that you, you brought up the quarterback situation, and it, it's it's really not going to play out, I think, in the Giants' favor, like, like you're saying, because Detroit... They're 0 and 5 with Jared Goff. I don't see a reason why they're going to continue with him and why they wouldn't try to move on and, and get something from him so they can start completely fresh. Uh, the the you know Philly might be considering it. Houston is definitely going to be drafting a quarterback at this point because it's clear that they're not going to be moving on with Deshaun Watson. But those teams that are going to be quarterback hungry aren't necessarily going to have a guy that like you're talking about 
that's really worth being drafted in that range. There's a good crop of like mid-tier guys that are worthy of maybe the latter half of the top 10, but there hasn't really been an ascending guy. You talked about Carson Strong. He seems to be one of the favorites to be selected first. Malik Willis is in that conversation. I think that uh, what we've seen from Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler has completely pushed them out of the conversation that people assumed that either of them could have been that first overall pick if it's, if a quarterback needy team was selecting there. But it's pretty apparent that neither of them can play to the level that they were looking that they could have transformed into. They've almost specifically Rattler have taken a step backward this year. But Willis and also Strong have looked fantastic so far. Um, you're getting a really good season for Matt Corral, who is starting to gain some buzz as a guy who could maybe work his way into that top three of the quarterback group. Hopefully, like we're talking about here, the Giants could be in a situation where despite the quarterback class not being that great, but not as bad as the Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, uh, Kyler Murray group, as long as there's at least some a little bit of confidence in the top three guys, hopefully there are teams that trade up and there are at least three picks or at least two picks above the Giants that are quarterbacks because then that would put them in a situation where I think if you're picking at six, Kyle Hamilton has to be on the table, even though they don't necessarily need a safety. You can't pass up on a defensive tackle like that. Or, or sorry, defensive player like that. You could probably play defensive tackle. He's <laughs> you know, at this point. <laughs> Notre Dame bias coming in here, Joe? A little bit, a little bit. No, but Sean Ryan from UCLA has looked great. Evan Neal has looked very, very strong as well. It might be a little too fresh to pick pick a Kenyon Green or a Tyler Lindenbaum that early. But the, the offensive line group, if the Giants are going to correct and fix some of this stuff with their offensive line, uh, this has to be the year to do it. And if they want to get defensive playmakers, this is also the year to do it. It is not a good offensive playmaker class. Yeah, I, just know, I think you actually... Like, oh, ahead, ahead, Nick. You probably have a more salient point than me, but I just want to point out that Week six hasn't happened yet, and we're already trying to get excited about draft prospects. That's the current state <laughs> of New York. Guys. That sucks. It's October. October's draft season, right? Pumpkin spice yeah. and draft. Yeah. <laughs> Pumpkin spice and draft. Let's do it. Look, I'm rocking orange. We know it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was just going to say, I, I think you actually could make a pretty good argument for Kyle Hamilton for the Giants up if they're inside of the top 10. It, just because Logan Ryan's not getting any younger. And Jabril Peppers, he might not be a giant next year. He's seen his snap count drop off dramatically. Mm -hmm. uh, he hasn't played all that well, and it's the end of his contract. So that pretty much leaves them with Julian Lovin and Xavier McKinney as their prime safeties. And Kyle Hamilton can just do so, so, so much <laughs> that he would be a great toy for Patrick Graham, and he could help with the linebacking core. He can help with coverage deep he can be the strong safety actually cover a tight end maybe once in a while could we see that in the giants defense he, he, maybe the crazy the crazy thing is that at six foot four 220 pounds he could play single high like he's done that and he's tracked footballs from either side of the he he could play cover one over the top and he can do it fantastically at the size of what is basically a large receiver or a small tight end I, I, before, Nick, I let you hop in and, and talk about Hamilton because it looked like you were about to say, I just want to throw out there, I had a really funny interaction uh, with Kyle Hamilton's mom on Twitter. So I did a show over the summer and we were talking about the draft class and we were talking about the names to, to know. And this was way back in June. And during the show, I had mentioned um, that Kyle Hamilton's built like a linebacker. And I wonder if some teams 
might value him as a linebacker. Didn't say he was, but I just threw that out there. And apparently Kyle Hamilton's mom listened and she tweeted at me. She's like, he's not a linebacker. People need to stop saying that. You need to stop saying. And I was like, whoa, I didn't say he was a linebacker. Relax. <laughs> totally random. Was not expecting that. I didn't I didn't know that uh, that Kyle Hamilton's mom would listen. But uh, what are your thoughts on him, Nick? <laughs> I just I think you'd be excellent for this defense because the Giants don't have somebody who fits naturally in that single high role. And let me rephrase that. The NFL about 32 teams, not 32, but almost all teams don't have a player who fits into that single high role who has that Ed Reed type of range. He possesses that with a frame that's absolutely insane. I mean, six foot four, 220 pounds. You can do so many things with that. In modern defenses, you're looking for those hybrid um, defensive back, um, linebacker type of player. Hopefully she doesn't listen. Yeah. You know, put it in the the title. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And I don't think Hamilton is a lot. I think he is one of those versatile defenders who can play on the back end, but that is exactly what every NFL team is looking for. And that kid's instincts, his ability to hit his ability to utilize range, his ability to locate the football his ability to bait quarterbacks. I mean, he's just so fun to watch. I would love for him to be a New York Giant. And you're right. Some things are setting up for that to po- be a possibility because Julian Love's only going to have, what, one more year left on his contract after this. Yeah. Jabril Peppers more than likely isn't going to be a Giant next season, which is unfortunate, but he has had a really down season, which leaves Xavier McKinney and Logan Ryan, who's not getting any younger. Now, the Giants need a lot of other help along the roster. They do have another first-round pick, which could help them make that decision. But man, dude, it's early, but Kyle Hamilton, he's he's very, very interesting and exciting as an NFL prospect, and I would love to see him in blue. Yeah, he, I would almost describe his position in a modern NFL defense as just defensive weapon, or maybe unicorn. You know, maybe just create the unicorn position for <laughs> yeah, him. Isaiah Simmons, yeah. Or dude, he's just that yeah, dude. He does whatever you need him to do. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, Nick, like... Just about every NFL team can use a good free safety. That is just transformative for a defense. It lets you do so many things with your blitz packages. And the NFL hasn't seen a really good one since Earl Thomas. Yeah, they, they really haven't. That's that's a great point. Earl Thomas, that's the reason the Legion of Boom worked. The pivotal right. part of the Legion of Boom wasn't Bobby Wagner, who's one of the most underrated players in our era. It wasn't Richard Sherman, who's a potential Hall of Famer, great player. It was Earl Thomas's ability to play that center field role that really allowed that cover three defense to work. And he just was excellent. And Cam Chancellor, another absolute stud. And I'm not even uh, saying that Kyle Hamilton can't even fill a role similar to Chancellor where he can drop into the box, cover three buzz, and just absolutely annihilate those inside crossing routes, the deep dig, the slants, the glance routes, all of that. Yeah, like I'm just looking at the potential of Xavier McKinney and Kyle Hamilton together. You almost can't help but come up with ideas of how to use them. You know, maybe a late rotation, have Kyle Hamilton drop down into the box and Xavier McKinney drop back into the cover cover one, cover three, center field, whatever, or flip them and have McKinney drop down and Kyle Hamilton back up. You know, there's just so many things you can do with them. And really, I think the Giants' best bet, assuming they don't go offensive line and they – let's – Take quarterback off the table for now. Let's not even have that conversation because Schofield isn't here. <laughs> so <laughs> if we're talking quarterbacks, we, we have to have Mark. That, that I think that's in the bylaws somewhere. But yeah, really just 
best player available at, for the Giants, and that's probably going to be a defensive player, either one of these cornerbacks, which this looks like a stack cornerback class, or Kayvon Thibodeau, or DeMarvin Leal, the defensive tackle from Texas A&M, or Kyle Hamilton, and you know, maybe Aiden Hutchinson. Maybe, I mean, the Giants do like their uh, hand-in-the-dirt defensive lineman. Yeah, as we know that, uh, you know, they definitely have an affinity and then maybe no Gettleman would change that approach. But I'm leaning towards, and I think that, folks, we need to expect that that first pick is probably going to be a defensive player just based on how this class is stacked out. And I'm hoping today's episode helped provide some clarity and maybe what to expect um, I know it sucks that we're talking about this in October, but when you deal with the injuries the Giants have dealt with in a difficult schedule, uh, it doesn't hurt to shift their focus a little bit. But, folks, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. Stay tuned for more shows coming your way, and we're going to be previewing the Rams next.